Welcome to the People Priority Podcast, where we dig into topics that help you show up as your best self for you and your circle of influence. I'm your host, Julie Schneers, a teacher turned speaker, teen culture consultant, and leadership growth coach who loves people. Join me every week for conversations that will motivate, educate, and hopefully just inspire you to grow through the power of communication, connection, and confidence. Because you and your people, you're worth it. Today, I am so pumped about this. This guy is funny. He's incredibly talented, and he has such a neat background that I can't wait for you to hear the leadership tips that he has for you today. Today, my podcast interview is with Coach Kitsch. He is the founder and president of Edge Leadership Academy. He's a former Division I coach and a PhD candidate with a master's degree in sports psychology who has a decade of experience building leaders, culture, and mindset at the highest levels of sports and business. He's the author of The Pyramid, A System for Building Tomorrow's Leaders Today, and The Scoreboard, A Self-Audit System to Help You Build the Life You Want. As a speaker, consultant, and coach, Coach Kitch is trusted by 100-plus CEOs, coaches, high performers to help them lead and win in business, athletics, and life. Coach Kitch, thanks so much for coming on. Wow. How much do you charge to follow me around and do my intros everywhere? That was Oh, my gosh. Cool. I feel like we have a deal that we can totally make on that. <laughs> I need it. I need it. I feel like that. Wow. Now I have to live up to the hype. Oh, my gosh. I'm so excited that you're even on. That is the, the hype is that our intro conversation had me so excited about what you do in the realm of leadership. Your background alone, which we both talked a lot about in our, you know, getting to know each other conversation about coaching kids. And that's something that we had in common. And I love that. But like you, I've translated into a different realm, but you're still kind of in that space. Talk to me a little bit about how you took what you coached and how you coached kids, college kids, and molded it to help business leaders. Yeah. So honestly, I, I've always, my brain's always kind of worked this way that I like to reverse engineer things. And I like to kind of break things down into processes and systems. And that's just, it's the way I've always thought. And in strength and conditioning, which is what I coach, that's what we're taught from day one through our education is to break things down into systems and processes. And so when I look at how I translated what I was teaching young men and young women in the college world into what I do with businesses, I just took the same traits and I went back to my education in psychology and I was like, okay, if we want our high performing leaders to be creative. We want them to be consistent. We want them to be committed. We want them to have high character. We want them to have all these traits. Okay. What are the frameworks that have to be in place for people to learn this skill? And so what I did then is just kind of stress tested it. So I came up with these theories. I used the psychology background and then I would reach out to my friends in business and I would be like, Hey, is this something that would work as far as like a mental framework for you when it comes to giving feedback conversations to your team? Would this work? If I laid out this process, does that make sense to you? And a lot of times what I was getting back was, oh, I kind of already do something similar to that. I just never thought about it that way. And that clears some things up for me. And so from there, that's how the curriculum was born. And then it just built over time. Um, but it all came back to a simple fact of I heard the same phrase throughout my entire coaching career from coaches, administrators, 
Pro Scouts, everybody kept saying, we need more leaders. We want more people to step up and be in leadership roles. And so as I kind of branched into the business side of things, my business partner who has over a decade of sales experience and has led national sales teams. And then my other business partner who's coming from Anheuser-Busch, which is obviously one of the largest distributors in the, in the world as far as beverages, they both said the same thing. They were like, dude, we had meetings about this all the time inside our organizations. And so that to me was like the validation. Like I was like, oh no, there's something here. If we can teach this, it's going to go fast. And so that's what we started to do. So that's how the curriculum was born. That's how I ended up what I'm in now. But again, it's all about reverse engineering processes. To me, life comes down to processes and systems. And I say all the time, if you can't measure it, you can't manage it. Mm, that's good. Okay. So break down your curriculum for us in a nutshell. Tell me what big takeaways that you think are most impactful you share with businesses. Definitely. So when I build a curriculum for any type of business or athletic teams, doesn't matter. I always start at the basics. So I go back to psychology and I look at what are the five basic traits of high-performing leaders. And it doesn't matter what the field is again. And so I'm not creative enough to come up with this on my own, but they, and they all happen to start with C's. And so we call them our five C's of leadership. It was completely yes. coincidental. Yeah, completely coincidental, but it's great for marketing. And so the five C's of high-performing leaders are character, creativity, communication, consistency, and commitment. Those are the five traits that high-performing leaders have. And so all of our curriculum start with those five things. And then from there, we do a deep dive on whatever that organization needs. So obviously there's sub kind of subplots within each of those. So when we're talking about consistency, what do we need to be consistent to? What do we need yeah. to be consistent in? When we're talking about commitment, where are we having our commitment issues within our organization? Are we having people leave? Are we having clients leave? You know, where, where do the issues fall? And so we kind of trace everything back to those five C's and we start there. And then we also have a whole series on culture. So we do what's called series. So we split our curriculums up into like six to eight lessons. And again, some, some of these get squeezed down into a keynote address or whatever the organization yeah. needs at the time. But we have upwards of 35 different like hour long presentations that we can do. And we can mix and match parts of those together to serve whatever needs of the client. So again, we start with those five C's. And then from there, we look at, okay, what functions of these five C's are we struggling with? So it can go into culture. It can go into, is there a trust issue? Is there an accountability issue? Are we not navigating conflict well? Are we not holding people accountable? Why are we not holding people accountable? Is it goal setting? Is it the KPIs that we're using? What right. are it? And so again, it's all reverse engineered. And it starts with a long conversation with whoever the, the leader is, whoever the CEO or the you know senior manager that we're working with is. Let's, let's have a very frank and honest conversation about where we're at. Yeah. And, you know, I think that's where it starts, too, is having a frank and honest conversation with your leaders. You got to start in that space. Okay, so I talk a lot to all kinds of leaders in the home leadership, in the classroom leadership, in business leadership, in leading my own life. Leaders, you're a leader in, I say, your circle of influence. And when you're having those long conversations with your leader before you walk into a space, what are some things that help that leader really self-reflect on what they actually need in their space? It's a great question. I think it has to start with the leader knowing themselves. 
It has mm. to start with you being very, very clear about your vision, your mission, and your values, not just as a business, but as a human. What do you fight for as a person? What do you stand for in your life? I say all the time, my business is a reflection of me. My business is 100% a reflection of who I am as a man, who I am as a human, who I am as a brother, a son, all those different things. Nothing happens in a vacuum. And sometimes we think as leaders that we can compartmentalize our life and we're one person at work and we're one person at home. And yeah, there's obviously subtleties to it that you transition, but overall, who you are is who you are. And so before you can have an honest and frank conversation with somebody on your team, you have to be clear about who you are. And then from there, you have to be self-aware and vulnerable enough to hear that feedback. I tell people all the time, the world is giving you the answers if you just stop and listen. And so you have to be willing to hear that feedback. A lot of managers have that open door policy, an open door. But then you come in and you're dismissive with that person. Well, now, listen, behaviors are caught, not taught. So if you're, if you're dismissive when you're per, with your person when they come in to give you feedback of any sort, then it's out the window. And that's how it's going to show up in your team. And so, you know, the big thing for me is, is always when we're having these conversations, I want to observe it. So I want to watch a leader interact with his team. And I might not even say anything. I might just be, you know, in the corner of the ring or whatever. I want to watch. I want to see how do you communicate? What are your habits in communication? And then I can tell you usually where the feedback bottleneck is. What's the issue here? And, and I think the other piece for leaders that's really important is we have to have a system for filtering feedback. We have to have a system for understanding where the feedback is coming from, what is their intent, and then asking yourself some serious questions like, okay, you know, if person X on the sales force is complaining about this thing, okay, that's, it may be a valid concern for them, but I might have a different perspective because I see things from a larger scale. So I'm focused on the process. And so I understand, I hear your concern. However, this is why it's not, it's not something that we can act on now. So keeping that lens. And I think when you do that, it gives you space to not take things personally. And then you can have those open conversations. You can say, okay, I'm willing to hear this. And then the, the final kind of tip I would give for that is just make sure you got a checklist. Like, like have a checklist of giving regular feedback and receiving regular feedback from your people. And it's simple. You start with what's work? What am I doing well? I ask everybody on my staff this question, probably so much that they hate hearing it. I say, what am I doing well? What am I missing or not doing enough of? And then how can I make your job better? I ask my team that all the time. That's feedback. That's a feedback conversation. And if I ask it enough and I continue to hammer it and I don't let them just, just tell me how great I am, then yeah. eventually they get comfortable giving me that honest feedback. Absolutely. Oh my gosh. I love that you said that because one of the things that I'm so passionate about, I love creating with clients, whether it's coaching or in a consulting, um, our legacy lens, because who we are and how we show up is based off of, you know, what, who we want to be and how we lead and what we say yes to. And I love writing legacy lenses with my people because I think that's where it starts. It starts with you. I love that you say that too. 100%. It has to. It ha you have to lead yourself first. Before you can yeah. lead anybody else, you have to lead yourself first. And you call them uh, legacy lenses, which I love. I call it ego versus legacy decisions. Right. Right? I say all the time, why yes. are you making certain decisions in your personal life and in your business right. life? Is that something that suits, that suits your ego and makes you feel validated or gives you some sort of outside validation? Or is that something that's building a legacy? And normally legacy decisions don't feel good in the moment. Uh, interesting. That's very interesting. I love that. 
Okay. So as a coach, I just tell me a great story about you and a kid and when you knew that you were doing the thing as a leader. Can I hear a fun story like that? Because that just intrigues me. Wow. Yeah. I love these kind of things because my players, they were part of my family. So I had a young man who was a transfer student, had a rough upbringing, really, really tough, tough upbringing. When we first met, we butted heads. I mean, it was oil and water big time. And there were multiple exchanges and things like that. I remember at one point he walked out of the weight room and said, I'm not coming back if this guy's still here. This guy being me. And I just continued. I, I just stayed in his ear and I refused to, I always tell the time, you will not outwill me. You just won't. And so I continued to preach the lessons, but I got to know the kid and I helped him with his final exams. And we spent time together, spent a lot of time together over the course of his two years with me. And he graduated and I wasn't sure, you know, I was like, maybe I got through to him. Maybe I didn't I think I did. It's definitely better than, what, than when we first got together. And then one night I was at my house. I had a FaceTime from a random phone number. I'm like, who is this? So I answer it. And it was this young man and his daughter. He had just had a daughter. And he called me with his daughter on the FaceTime to thank me. And talked to me about character. And he talked to me about all these different things that I had talked to him about. And it was, to me, that was one of those moments that I was like, everything I did was worth it. Because so many people had written this young man off as troubled, as this, as that, as a hard case, you know, the whole thing. And to see him now, I mean, I have one of his jerseys hanging on my wall here. He's playing professional basketball now. He sent me a signed jersey from his rookie year. And yeah, he's somebody that I talk to all the time. And so to see, you know, somebody go from that, to the man he is now providing for his family, playing professional basketball, making it the average pro career is like two years. He's in year four. And so he's already done better than, than most do, you know? And, and so for me, those are the moments that I, I I love, you know, I tell kids, even when I was recruiting, when I was in in college coaching, they would bring the kids to us to meet. And one of the things that I always said to them was look around my office. What will you not see? And, you know, look around. And the answer was always the same. There's no championship rings in here. I said, that's because the relationships are more important than the rings to me. So yes. there's, there's one ring in my office now and it was from my 10th season. And the only reason I kept it was because it was my 10th season. Other than that, I don't, I don't have a single ring that I've kept because the relationships are what matter to me. You'll see postcards, you'll see pictures of, of wedding invites and, and wedding days with former players. That's, that's what I'm all about. I love that. And I agree. I think relationships are where it's at. I mean, translating that, not just to coaching, uh, because that, that is true to my heart too. That's what builds a great competitor is the relationships, but how that translates to teams and us as leaders and how that translates to business or whatever circle of influence that you are leading. Relationships are so key. It's the, it's the linchpin that holds everything together. You have to invest. And I, and I tell leaders when I meet with them as high performers, sometimes we get shiny object syndrome and I related back to even as a coach, like I was, I was a young coach that got a lot of opportunities early on in my career. And at times I did have that shiny object syndrome where I was looking on to the next thing. And what I noticed is that as soon as I did that, it pulled away from my ability to invest in where I was. And that actually lowered my performance. So if we're focused on what's next, we can't be focused on what's in front of us. And so I tell people all the time, the big time is where you're at. If you want to be a CEO, be the best senior manager you can here. Now, that's how you become a CEO. Those relationships that you build, 
And that's because your brand is what people say about you when you're not in the room. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's unbelievable. I, every job and every opportunity that I've had, and this is a, a humble brag for us as a business, our ad spend, you, you listed how many people we work with, all these different things, our ad spend, zero dollars, zero, not, not a single paid ad. It's all word of mouth because it's relationships. Our clients will stand on the table for us. Our clients will go to war for us because we invest in them. And so I tell leaders all the time, if you're not investing in your people, in your organization, and in your culture, you can forget about results. Yep. I love that. That's probably why I like you so much. Because Yes, what he said. What he said. <laughs> Louder for the people in the back. I love when you said the big time is where you're at now. Oh my gosh. I'm going to put that on my wall. The big time is where you're at. Because you know what? That's hard. It, I feel like that resonates too with any leader in everywhere. It's hard to not get goal-oriented and focused on, and rightly so sometimes. We've strategically spent time we spent time strategically planning what we're projecting for the year and what we need to pull in as a business for the year or what we need to do as a company or what we need to do as a class or what we need to do as a team. Like we, we spend a lot of time projecting those goals so we know how to get there. And even in coaching, I do, okay, ideal self versus real self. Okay, if this is where you want to be, this is where you are, how do we get to those spaces and celebrate progress along the way? But being able to just be where you're, feet are now. That is so good, but hard to do. So what advice do you have for the people who struggle with being where you're at? Have a system, have a process, have an audit. Like you have to audit yourself. That's what my second book, the scoreboard, that's what it's all about. I do it every year. I do it every year. I do. It's a 14 page audit that I sit down and I do on every area of my life. I also do quarterly audits where I'm auditing, like, what am I paying attention to? What am I spending my time on? What am I putting my energy into? What relationships do I need to water? What relationships have I let dry up a little bit? Because there's seasons to life. And especially as high performers, there's seasons where, listen, I got to focus on my business. I have to. But during that time, I need to look back and say, okay, what relationships did I let go a little bit? I need to go back and water those. Because we're balance, work-life balance is not a real thing. It's work-life integration. It's finding a way to, to marry the two together and understand the ends and flows and be okay with that. And so you have to audit yourself along the way because when we're looking at these big goals and we're saying, okay, I want to make X amount of revenue. I want to scale my team to X amount of people. I want to do these things. That's great, okay? But what seasons is that appropriate in? When is that appropriate? And if I'm going to do this, and I, I break my life, I say go back to school. Semesters in a, in a college are 16 weeks. So break it down into semesters. Say, okay, for the next 8, 12, 16, 4, whatever, however many weeks you want to do. Say, these are the top priorities for me. These are the things I'm going to focus on. And then after that, I'm going to balance it out by focusing on these things. And sometimes life will throw you a curveball. Listen, I was in a huge growth phase for our business. I was focused. That was my spring. I had a 12-week this whole summer was supposed to be business only. We had a, we had a summer campus tour set up where we were going to travel the country and speak different places, yeah. all these things. April came around. My brother got diagnosed with cancer. Oh, Jesus. So I, it is what it is. I, I love him to death. He's a savage. He's handling it like, a, like an absolute maniac. He's a, he's a tough kid. But 
that changes. So that hadn't changed my priorities. I had to right. shift. Okay, so this is no longer a business priority sprint for me. Now right. my family has to become the priority. And that's okay. It's okay. It's okay. It just changes the way I work. So that means, okay, yeah. that means I have to work on Sunday so I can take him to chemo on Tuesday. That is what it is. You have to be okay with that stuff instead of trying to fit a square peg into a round hole all the time, which is what we do as high performers because we're obsessed with goals, 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 goals. The flexibility is key in high performers uh, often. Yeah. Yeah. And I would say that we're real good. I think if you're a high performer, you're real good at flexibility when it comes time for business, but not as much when it comes time for you. And that, that brings us full circle back to what you said in the beginning that I loved so much is you've got to focus on you first as a leader. So if you first as a leader need to work on Sundays and not on Tuesdays so that you can take care of a family obligation or heart piece, what, just be where you want and need to be, then you've got to be flexible enough and forgive yourself and let there be peace in that space so that you can be your best self. And, and building that into your schedule. Because what's the first thing to go? And, and people say this to me all the time. Like, dude, you were a strength and conditioning coach. You probably worked out all the time. And I'm like, actually, you'd be surprised. Because that was the first thing to get pushed off of my sure. schedule. Was my own workout. Because I was there to serve everybody else. And so yeah. my workout got pushed. Now that I'm in business, it's something I've had to learn. Is that if I don't, if you're a high performer, you're an entrepreneur, you're working in a business, even if you're an entrepreneur, you're trying to innovate within your own business. If you don't put up guards for your energy, it will get taken away from you. Believe you it. have to, you have to have guardrails in place. And so my team now knows my mornings are non-negotiable. This is, these are the things that I need to do to function at the level that I want to function at as an entrepreneur, as a man, as a brother, as a son, all these things in my life. I need to meditate every day, period. I don't have time not to do it have to meditate. I have to read. I have to write. I have to create. I have to work out. If I don't do those things, I'm not good at what I do. I'm no good to anybody. And so we have to build those things in. And I say all the time, like you have to put the big rocks in first. If you don't put the big rocks in first, there's no room for anything else. And I, I love that you said that. Okay. Oh my gosh, David, you have brought so much fire to my heart. This has been so much fun. I knew it would be. I knew you would have so many golden nuggets that I wouldn't even be able to latch onto them all fast enough. Tell me what you think your biggest three takeaways are. If you can just leave your audience with three takeaways that are you really want us to hear today, what are they? First one is that successful people are not special. Mm. Anybody can be successful. Anybody can be successful. All about systems and processes. The most successful people I've ever been around in my life, coaches, athletes, entrepreneurs, doesn't matter. They are not special. They have built a life that has systems and processes and things in it that reduce the likelihood of failure. That's all it is. That's all it is. And once you realize that, your whole mindset about what is, what is you know, available to you changes. Mm. So that's, that's number one. That would be the first, first thing that I would want everybody to take away. Number two would be if you're in the leadership game just be who you needed that's it if you're if all this leadership stuff and all these books and everything else overwhelms you break it down to its simplest form be who you needed be the father you needed be the leader you needed be the mother you needed the friend you needed if you be who you needed you'll be fine you'll be fine 
And then my third takeaway, take big swings. Bet mm. on yourself. Bet on yourself. Like the scariest thing to me is the day that I die, the person I could have been meeting the person that I was and not recognizing each other. That oh. scares me. That scares me to death. And so I try and live a life answering the question that everybody runs away from, which is what are you truly capable of? So take big swings, like just do it because you will feel so much better. And even if you don't get what you think you were going to get, the person that you become because you took those swings will make you so much happier in the long run. So take big swings. So again, it's, it's success is not reserved for the special. Be who you needed and take big swings. Oh my gosh, David. It was so perfect. It was so perfect. I needed to hear this today. So thank you so much for sharing your words of wisdom. Two more things that I love to leave an audience with is one, besides your beautiful words of wisdom, do you have a challenge? All these leaders that are writing down your nuggets, what is one challenge, one change that I can make because you think it'll truly impact my life this week? Make a list of your daily habits, the things that you do most often, yeah. And then write down what value they represent and then ask if that's the person that you want to be. I love that you said that. But you know what's funny is I already wrote down my words of wisdom from David. Things I'm going to do this week. I'm going to look at my processes this week and I'm going to really, really investigate. And I try so hard to do habits. It's hard. It's hard to create a process for yourself and create those habits. So gosh, you're so incredible. I love this. Last thing, do you have a favorite quote of someone from someone that you kind of carry with you that you'd want to share with us today? So my favorite quote would be who you are speaks so loudly that I cannot hear what you say. And it's from Ralph Waldo Emerson. Love that. That's good. And then developing who you are and how, how you want people to see you and how you lead. David, thank you again. I've loved this. I cannot wait to visit again sometime soon. Thanks for listening and being my people. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you did, hook me up with a five-star review wherever you're listening right now. And as always, don't forget to subscribe to the People Priority Podcast. They don't miss out on more tips, tricks, and important reminders. All right, I'll see you next week.